Welcome once again into the Radiopedia Reading Room, a podcast unconcerned with books or poetry, tea leaves or palmistry. It's a radiology podcast. My name is Andrew Dixon and joining me, 21 today, I'm just so proud of how he's turned out. It's my (laughs) co-host, Frank Gaylard. 21, my gosh. It seems like even more than a lifetime ago. (laughs) I didn't have a big 21st, but I imagine you probably did. And I reckon you ended up at the end of the night handcuffed to a stop post somewhere with your eyebrows shaved off. No, that was my Bucks party. Uh, (laughs) You can't remember your 21st birthday? I don't think I had one. Really? You know, I'm an ethnic. 21st, we didn't understand what that's all about. You didn't get a giant beer mug or a massive... Yeah, that's right, a lowball glass. A massive key that said 21 on it? (laughs) No, no. Man, you've missed out. So this is episode 21. That's why we're we're leaning into the 21st. And it's a hostful episode, Frank. So that means just you and me and a microphone, no guests. And as is customary, you've passed me a list of cryptic topic titles <laughs> for us to talk about. There'll be some goats, some meat, <laughs> some neuroradiological bias, no doubt. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think really for me, the hostful is a sort of a therapy session. So... Maybe we should get ourselves a couch and you can get yourself a like a pipe and a tweed jacket and uh, we can go through all sorts of goats for an hour. And for any of our listeners that are fortunate enough not to have any idea what we're talking about, goats are annoyances, pet peeves yep. that get our goat. Is that an Australian expression, do you think, getting our goat? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe people can write in and tell us. But yeah, that's where it's evolved from. I think you <laughs> you started talking about all your pet peeves on the podcast. Yeah. And then I said things that get my goat. And then that's evolved into us just talking about pet goats. So that's that's the idea mainly of the hostful episode. Yeah. I'll also be throwing in some of my little segments like Journal Club, Letters and Feedback, What You Up To, <laughs> and another cognitive bias oh, good. to chat about because we, we launched that last time. Yep. You ready to get into it? Let's get into some goats. All right. Let's have a look at your little list here, some intriguing ones. Uh, this one's intriguing. Mouse Monkey MDM. What is that? <laughs> so I'm very ambivalent about multidisciplinary meetings. I think a, a, a good meeting is great. It can be educational. It's good for patient outcome probably. Uh, it's certainly good for keeping everyone part of that team on the same page and knowing how everyone else does things. It's good also can be fun if the group gets along well, but so many MDMs are just rubbish. And yeah. being a mouse monkey is where the radiologist just sits behind a PACS workstation and some clinician or surgeon or physician or whatever in the audience just tells them where to scroll. And it's like, oh, <laughs> scroll up, scroll down. Go to a T2 and then there's talk about the radiology as if you're just there to be a monkey using the mouse. And it drives me crazy. Yeah, It's not so bad at our hospital, but when I was overseas and at other places I've worked, the, the role of the radiologist was so subservient to everyone else in the room. Speak uh, only when spoken to, just move the images and... It, not only is it rude and it's probably bad for patient outcome, but it's also just bad for morale of the radiologists mm. who just cope with it. How do you find MDMs? Well, I had this exactly last night. <laughs> I had to fill in and take the urology meeting. I don't usually take that. I've got no no idea about kidneys and bladders and prostates. But I found myself doing exactly that. There was one there was one stage where where one of the urologists was like, "Oh, can you scroll up?" 
And so I scrolled up and then he's like, oh, can you scroll back down? I scroll back down. And then he's like, oh, the patient's only got one kidney. Did we know that? And we're like, yeah, we all knew that. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought like he was going to point out something really important. But no, it was the fact that there was one kidney, which is the whole point of the case. Yeah. It's so, <laughs> funny. The other thing they did in this meeting, which is another one of my pet goats, is they started teaching their fellow who's coming up to his exams in the middle of it. Oh, like, yes. And, and you add up the costs of everybody in the room, right? There's a pathologist, there's a radiologist, there's there were some oncologists, yeah. uh, radiation oncology as well. So all these guys are in the room and if you add up the pay rates of everybody, it's a very expensive hour-long meeting. To sit and watch teaching their fellow. That this one <laughs> trainee fumbles his way through a case before they all go, oh, no, I reckon we should just get a follow-up in 12 months after he's explained all these other things that he'd do. That's, yeah, yeah that, inf- that infuriates me. It's the arrogance, I think. Of, yeah. uh, it's whenever someone in the room thinks that it's more important than everyone else. Yeah. If we go to talk about things that are really annoying during MDMs, the other one is they put in 10 cases and for five of them, the person who put it in doesn't turn up or they say, oh, don't worry, we don't need to see that this week. Yeah. That happened last <laughs> night as well. That happened last night. Oh, no, we haven't got the pathology for that one. Oh, no, he's not here today. We won't be able to answer like, why did I waste my time looking yeah. through this whole case? Yeah. <laughs> We need a special episode just to debrief about MDMs, I think. Uh, Should we move on to another topic? So should we do my cognitive bias segment? Yes, let's. So last hostful, I sprung the alliterative bias on you, Gaylord, and I selected that one because it was just the first alphabetically in the Radiopedia <laughs> article. So this time I've uh, I've skipped down a few just in case you went to the second one and read up about it. <laughs> yes, because I'm, uh, I'm, I'm big for preparing for these podcasts, as you know. <laughs> Do you want to have a try at defining this one? So the bias is availability bias. I think I know this one, actually. I think the availability bias is to do with your perception of risk and how easily you can think of examples or picture the thing happening influences how likely you think something is. And the classic example would be being eaten by a shark, you would think Mm -hmm. is much more common than being eaten by a hippopotamus because you can picture a shark and you've seen Jaws but you've never seen a hippopotamus eat anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what availability bias means. Yeah, you can recall that information a lot more easily. Even if it's actually a rarer circumstance, you can recall it because, yeah, I've seen news stories of when that shark attacked that person, so therefore that must happen all the time as opposed to something falling off an aeroplane and killing someone, which actually happens more often than a shark killing someone. And how does that affect radiology, though? I think in, in radiology, I'm like, if you've just watched a lecture on mm. a specific topic oh, yes, or you've course. just seen a diagnosis in the MDM, then suddenly you see a case, even if it's only remotely similar, it's the first thing that comes into your mind. Yeah. Our hospital has uh, yo-yo-like fads from in the neurology department for reversible vasoconstriction syndrome. Mm-hmm. Every yeah. 12 months or so, they just decide that every patient has that and you get a whole flurry of requests, usually because there's one patient that does have it. And then suddenly everyone has it and then no one has it again. Yeah, those and, ebbs and flows where yeah. like, especially if something was missed and it took a long time to make the diagnosis yeah. and then suddenly you're trying to overcall it and find it more often than it really is there. On our website, we say the availability bias refers to the tendency for your diagnostic judgments to be unduly influenced by information or experiences that are readily recalled in your mind. 
use of information sources beyond your own personal experience, such as publications or opinions from colleagues, may help to minimise the availability bias. And then this is a different source. It says, the availability heuristic occurs when we judge the likelihood of an event based on how easily we recall similar events. If we can vividly remember instances of that event, we deem it to be more common than it actually is. I think those ideas are really important because you have to be aware there's so many traps of judgment rather than knowledge. And we don't teach that anywhere near enough, if at all, in our radiology syllabus, where how you apply the knowledge that you've gained is at least as important as actually knowing different conditions and what they look like. And yet, I don't think in our exams, there was a single question about cognitive biases or Mm -hmm. estimating prevalence. Can you imagine if you didn't have CPD continuing education and you just, you've, you've finished as a radiologist and then all of your experience is really just putting out your own reports and then you just get into this positive feedback loop. If you don't get feedback, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so really the availability is, oh, I always give the patient chronic small vessel ischemic disease whenever I see this. So that just becomes the availability heuristic rather than thinking of of anything else. It's self-reinforcement and why you should really follow things up as much as possible to notice that you were convinced that you were wrong. Speak to colleagues and get other opinions and, and, and continue to educate yourself about other... Maybe turn up to an online radiology conference if one was available soon. Can't think of any. (laughs) (laughs) Now, should we move on from here? Yes. Let's do it. So I'm going to read a couple of little segment titles that you've sent to me, and then you can pick one or two of these which you'd like to talk about. So (laughs) these are the ones that tickled my fancy because I've got no idea what they mean. Uh, One (laughs) is called Terse Tuesdays. Oh, yes. Another one you sent is Banana Peel Hot Desk. Oh, that's a long one. And then the third one is Deep Teaspoons. (laughs) Right, so I'm going to do two. Uh, the banana peel hot desk, that's that's the long, long debrief that's, session. That's for another time. It's another time. Deep teaspoons. This is the smallest goat you can possibly imagine. <laughs> but I hate deep teaspoons. When I eat yogurt or ice cream or something, I want to be able to get all of it easily from the whole spoon. I don't want some of that stuff to be left in the concavity of a teaspoon. Oh. I want flat, shallow so that things sit on top and you can easily get them off. And when you pull it out of your mouth, there's not a, a little meniscus of yogurt <laughs> left in the bottom. This is very so, specific. And it probably annoys me way more than it should. But <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about if you drop like a teaspoon or something into the yogurt, how it covers the whole of the spoon. Oh, that's very annoying too. That's I'll, very annoying. Yeah, I need a better yeah. term for that. <laughs> I dropped a whole ladle into soup the other day and it was infuriating. <laughs> well, my kids end up always shoving like the knife all the way down into the Nutella jar. So oh. there's, oh, I think they do that because you're allowed to lick the Nutella. That's a good strategy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you're saying the depth of the actual concavity of the spoon. You don't like it too deep. This yeah. reminds me of a story, actually. I went to a really, really fancy restaurant in Melbourne, Vieux de Monde. Right? Oh, very fancy. So they brought out these spoons, right? And the spoons had, they were lovely patterned metal spoons, but they had like texture to them. I think I actually remember those. It was awful. Yeah, and I and I basically, you take a mouthful of whatever you're tasting and because it's not a smooth spoon, you actually get this rough sensation on your mouth. And I'm like, um, have you got a different spoon that I can have that's just smooth? And they're like, oh, no, we don't. 
and they actually sent me out the chef's tasting spoon <laughs> that he uses because they're like, this is the only smooth spoon we have, sir. It's also, I think from a medical background, anything with like ridges and things, it's like, how well did you clean this? It's got to yeah. be harder. I want something polished, stainless steel that's been autoclaved. <laughs> All right. The second one is Terse Tuesday. This is a uh, new Frank initiative <laughs> at Royal Melbourne, or at least in whatever part of Royal I Melbourne think, I happen to be. I think I can be. predict what this one is. And, uh, and this is that everyone who's reporting with me has to make a concerted effort to shorten their reports to the point of feeling uncomfortable about how short they are and just notice that everything's fine. <laughs> because I was reading through reports from like 10 years ago and it's amazing how much shorter they were. Yeah. Now with voice recognition and I don't know what's changed, our reports are just getting longer and longer and longer. A normal non-contrast CT brain seems to take three paragraphs sometimes. And I'm not sure that there's any benefit. In fact, I'm pretty sure there's lots of downside. So Terse Tuesdays, it's going to be worldwide, I think. This reminds me of another story. I've got a registrar, won't won't name him, but I call him I call him Nightboy. I don't think he'll mind me calling him that, just because he seems to be coincidentally be doing nights when I'm like the on call radiologist on the weekend. Yes. So he's my he's my night boy. And and my little joke for Nightboy is he does a lot of reports overnight and does them real quick. They're real short. And they're basically just usually a normal report. And, and it's true, like there's no traumatic injury. And the, most of these are trauma patients. But there's no indication in the report at all that he's actually looked at this specific patient because it's like, mate, you didn't mention the hiatus hernia. You didn't mention yeah. the left hip replacement, the cholecystectomy. Like, just give me something. Give me one little sign that tells me you've yeah. looked at it, Nightboy. That's all I'm asking. Yeah, no, I think that's important. I think the more junior you are, the more you have to indicate to the world that you've looked and that you've seen. The next time I'm on with Nightboy, I get this, I get this abdominal CT <laughs> report and it says... Literally, this is it said the same thing three times within a paragraph. It said of uncertain etiology for three different things. So it said low density lesions in the liver of uncertain etiology, multiple calcifications in the liver of uncertain etiology, multiple low density lesions in the liver, in the spleen, sorry, of uncertain etiology. And I was like, firstly, you know, they just look like cysts in the liver. <laughs> Secondly, like the calcifications look like, you know, previous granulomatous disease or something. And then the splenic ones, he said multiple, but there's actually just two and they were both 13 millimetres and they look like hemangiomas. So he could have just said two 13 millimetre splenic lesions, likely hemangiomas. It would have been great, but it's just like <laughs> multiple splenic lesions, uncertain etiology. <laughs> So I was like, I don't know what's better for Nightboy, but maybe he's progressing. Maybe he's going from maybe. not mentioning it's... anything other than trauma to mentioning everything he sees but not interpreting yeah. it. The next step, yeah. I do like Nightboy though. And then eventually as you get older and people know you, you can get away with that, you know, about to retire senior consultant where neck, chest, abdomen, pelvis, uh, cancer screening, normal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, what about the liver? It was normal. And the lungs, yeah. normal. <laughs> Sometimes you do feel like just saying normal, like the night boy, and then having a little nap. <laughs> Should we move on to Journal Club? I actually, um, I don't want us to spend very long on Journal Club because I actually haven't done a lot of reading around this. This is just something I saw on Twitter earlier in the day. It's an article published in this month's edition of the New England Journal of Medicine, mm -hmm. and it has radiology in it. So I thought that's probably worth talking about it. And it's interesting. It's called ultrasonography or radiography for suspected pediatric distal forearm fractures. 
performed in Australia, a randomized multi-center trial, really looking at non-inferiority. So, you know, right. is, is point-of-care ultrasound non-inferior to doing x-ray? It's for a specific type of forearm injury in children, 15 to 5 years of age. So really looking at, you know, suspected forearm fracture, but there's no clinical deformity evident. And so if there's no clinical deformity, they would get randomised either doing point-of-care ultrasound to look for, you know, a buckle fracture um, or going on and doing an X-ray, again, to look for essentially a buckle fracture, which is, is what's going to be the, the diagnosis. And then they followed them up for four weeks and eight weeks to look at essentially the, the functional outcome. And there was, you know, they showed non-inferiority between the two, which is kind of interesting. I think it's the first time really to, to kind of look at the use of ultrasound for fracture assessment. Hmm. How do you treat a buckle fracture? Does it need a full plaster or is it conservative management? I don't know. I would imagine that they don't need a full plaster. Just <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> two people talking about things they know nothing about. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said, we'll just do this one quickly. Um, no, but it is interesting. I think they, they showed that, you know, they kind of the length of stay in the ED was 15 minutes shorter or something like that. But a lot of, a lot of people on Twitter were kind of quick to point out that, you know, sometimes you can be waiting hours just to get the x-ray performed Mm. even if it doesn't take ages for the x-ray to be performed sometimes the x-ray happens and then the clinician gets distracted goes off and starts treating a different patient and then you know it's not an hour or two later before they come back and actually go all right what did the x-ray show blah 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 whereas if they can do it at the same time using ultrasound yeah that's interesting i'm not sure how it's gonna gonna go from here we get locked into the idea that certain modalities are good for certain things Hmm. when they first developed and it's really hard to shift at our hospital for example mr venography continues to be seen by most clinicians as the way to assess dural venous sinuses because mr venograms came out and were good before ct venography was good Mm -hmm. and yet if you had to pick one aside from the radiation issues and aside from some specific use cases but if you had to pick one to just give to someone who's not super experienced in reading neuro, hmm. you'd go for a CT venogram all the time. There are far fewer traps. It's much more easy to interpret. The pictures are often you know, better depending on yeah. your scanner. And yet shifting clinicians' requesting habits is really hard. Again, I haven't read this study in detail, but it actually makes you think, you know, in this, in this setting of non-deformed forearm suspected buckle fracture, you know, it makes you think probably no imaging is, yeah, is, is probably the best. You know, if we've got non-inferiority between x-ray and ultrasound, what if you did nothing? What if you didn't look and you just, you know, assumed they've got a little buckle fracture? I wonder whether that would... You're undermining our entire reason to exist. I've, <laughs> okay. There's a study that I've wanted to do for, for years is um, what's the added benefit of actually looking at the images? So <laughs> if you get shown the request card for or the request information for a mm-hmm. CT brain in ED and you give out a report based on just what it says and yeah. then you look at the images, how often do you actually change what you say? And it would be a small, relatively small number where the change was significant and, you know, quite different. I kind of do that study in my everyday reporting because often I read the clinical notes, I dictate the clinical notes, and then I actually start reporting the case as the images are still about to appear, like I'm <laughs> dictating my normal report. Wow, there's a cognitive bias there. That's, uh... 
<laughs> Confirmation like, bias, maybe? Yeah, exactly. It is. There's definitely a bias there. But uh, it, get, it gets me through those kind of cases. As one of my um, ex-bosses, no, my current boss said, when asked if he looked at all the thins from CT, and he said, what? Look at all the images. You must be crazy. If you looked at all the images, you'd never get any work done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's getting that way. That's why we need the AI to highlight the images. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Should we move on? I've, I've put this one in on my own. I didn't know whether you had anything, but I've just said, surely Gaylord has a meat update. Oh, it's been a long time. I, I definitely do have a meat oh, update. Oh, good. Look at you. There was uh, just recently, there was a study not yet published from the University uh, UC Davis which I think is University California, Davis. Is that right? Anyway. Maybe. Columbia. Columbia. <laughs> Something starting from with C. UC Davis. Uh, and I'll read it out here. Lab-grown meat, which is cultured from animal cells, is often thought to be more environmentally friendly than beef because it's predicted to need less land. Well, yes, water and greenhouse gases that than raising cattle's. But in a preprint, not yet peer-reviewed researchers at the University of California, Davis, there you go. I reckon it's California. I think so. <laughs> have found that lab-grown or cultivated meat's environmental impact is likely to be orders of magnitude higher than retail beef based on current and near-term production methods. And it goes on to say, one of the current challenges with lab-grown meat is the use of highly refined or purified growth media. Mm-hmm. which is what you know cell lines for farm, normal pharmacology pharmaceuticals use and if companies are having to purify growth media to pharmaceutical levels it uses more resources which then increases global warming potential said lead author and doctoral graduate Derek Reisner so there you go so it could mm. be worse although i don't know how do you interpret that i i think this is one of those situations where it said it in the in the statement here. It said based on current production methods. And it's yeah. like this is very early technology, right? It hasn't had a chance to develop scale, develop its efficiencies, and it may well be that you know an order of magnitude at the moment may be able to be reduced quite dramatically. Like if you look at the very original solar panels, for example, mm. right? They were yeah. terrible. They cost heaps to make. They yeah. used a lot of resources to put together, and they didn't. They weren't very efficient. They didn't produce a lot of energy, and so you wouldn't stop the idea of coming up with solar panels at that point, right? I wonder what the study looking at the early Wright brothers' flights would say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem with this. And, yeah. you know, it's like irrespective of the carbon situation, I hopefully this can be, if not, you know, neutral in terms of carbon production relative to beef or it can be less. That's That's what we'd hope. But irrespective of that, at least we haven't got the whole killing of animals thing as well. Yeah, that's right. And it it completely depends on where you're getting your power from. If your factory is solar powered, then presumably your greenhouse emissions are, I mean, there'll be other sources of greenhouse gas emissions, I assume, but Hmm. presumably the dominant one here is energy production. Yeah, that's that's a good point because you're not going to be able to make those cows more efficient in nature, although they are experimenting with some seaweed I think in Australia that helps the cattle digest and therefore they produce a whole lot less methane. So maybe there are some advances that could happen on that side of things, but there's got to be a lot more upside. Maybe SpaceX can become a beef breeder and use the methane to send Starship into orbit. We're thinkers. You You heard it here first. Elon, if you want to come on the podcast to discuss (laughs) uh, cow-powered Starships, we're, we're your people. 
Speaking of Elon, it's time for letters and questions. Oh. Elon sent one in. No, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's letters. It's letters. It's time for the letters. I usually do a, a terrible jingle for this. Um, a first one. This is from Dr. Stan on Apple Podcasts. He says, I don't know what it is about Australians and medical podcasts, but Radiopedia, along with Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's podcast, are the two best medical podcasts around. I'm a veterinary surgeon and listen to your podcast on the way to work in my car. The podcast is exceptionally engaging, educational, and quite funny. It reminds me of the times I would sit in the residence office and banter back and forth with my resident mates. Keep up the excellent work, Frank and Andrew, and I hope one day to have a translational episode with a veterinary neuroradiologist. Oh, we should, shouldn't we? Now, sticking with this theme, just today we received an email from Kathy who says, I just want to say how awesome your podcast is. I'm a veterinary radiologist. Mm-hmm. I worked as a clinical and teaching radiologist for 25 years, and I am now a consultant teleradiologist doing a PhD looking at CT features of the metacarpo-tarsophalangeal joint in thoroughbred racehorses. I particularly loved the interview last week with Dr. Tress, and it brought back fond memories of the days of radiographic myelography, the joy of a great subarachnoid injection. Imagine doing, uh, imagine doing the old tilt table pneumoencephalography on a horse. A horse. <laughs> <laughs> The radiographer would be very strong for that spin, (laughs) wouldn't they? (laughs) And then she goes on, you may or may not be interested to know that Radiopedia is super popular in the veterinary imaging world and the International Veterinary Radiology Association meeting is in Dublin, uh, 19 to 23rd of June. She just added in a little promo there at the end. Ah, clever. Very clever. You know, we should get Kathy or someone like Kathy on the podcast. I think that would be great. To talk about veterinary radiology. I reckon that'd be awesome. Another email, this one from uh, Shora. Thanks for your podcast, which led me to buy a new expensive car just to help me better hear your voices while driving. Sometimes I disconnect from the world and come back to ground by other car horns when I found myself lost in my dreams while listening to your stories. Wow. (laughs) As a newly arrived overseas radiologist, your podcast helps me get familiar with the Aussie culture, habits, and of course, my radiology knowledge. Oh, I love it. Any excuse to get a new car. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, One from YouTube here. I always look forward to the next podcast. I have listened to each one and they are amazing. I got this one from Vikas Shah on Twitter because I thought it was interesting. Can we have the premium option where Frank Gaylard comes to a house to be a personal bartender? (laughs) That could be a Patreon perk. Not that we have a Patreon. No, but if we did, (laughs) that could be the top tier. (laughs) Go into the draw for one night of getting drunk with Frank. (laughs) (laughs) You'd probably do it for free, mate, I reckon. (laughs) As long as you got to drink as well. (laughs) I have got a random question here, actually, from Patty. Do you want to tackle this one? I find myself connecting with most things that the two of you say. That's weird. Uh, So (laughs) I'm hoping you might have a good movie recommendation for me. Hmm. Got any, Gaylon? Well, actually, I recently watched, for the first time, I don't know how I avoided this, Her the AI oh, yeah. movie, and it's uh, it's exceptionally good. I'm going to re-watch it again because I think there's a lot in there, and the cinematography is amazing. I watched that back when it came out and thought, this will never happen. This is so <laughs> unrealistic. <laughs> and now it's... No, so Her is great, and it made me think of Ex Machina as well. Have you seen Ex Machina? Yeah, I have as well. Yeah, yeah. which is another fantastic, really... Both of them really constrained movies with really good performances, and both of them still very much appropriate for what's going on at the moment with AI. Do you want to explain the concept of, well, her maybe? 
Well, her is very easy to understand. It's a guy that falls in love with the voice of Scarlett Johansson, mm-hmm. which, you know. Quite yep. relatable. Yep, fair <laughs> enough. But it's, uh, it's his Siri, I guess. She's like an AI yeah. Siri assistant. And he's a lonely guy. But what's really impressive about the way it's shot is there's nothing. They don't make him out to be pathetic and you understand and can relate to mm. why like the relationship that they develop actually feels quite natural and that's mm. i think really insightful in presumably how things will evolve over time it reminds me of a black mirror episode did you see this one where i think the wife passes away and you get an ai replacement mm. of the wife he's like just on an ipad screen or something but can converse with the bereaved person well that's going to be the new apple vision Pro, did you see the promo for that that's just come out? No. They're like a VR augmented reality Apple headset, which does 3D video recordings of what you're looking at to play back Ah, later. And then, yeah. And it also does all the AI generated images of... So when you're speaking to someone while wearing your mask and they're wearing their mask, Hmm. you see an AI version of them that does not have the mask and they see you without the mask. So you're not actually looking at each other. You're looking at two avatars of each other. Mm. It's. I watched it and simultaneously thought, when can I have one? And this is awful. And it's yet another way that people are just going to be disconnected and just staring into, you know, yeah. ready player one like. I heard about another one the other day. I think it's called Seance AI. Again, you know, if you have a partner who's passed away, you can upload their social media data and things like oh. that and talk about their favorite things and you know what they were like as a person and then it will generate a bot that can have a conversation with you simulating mm. your partner it's freaky mm. isn't it yeah. but these things are these things are coming I'm not sure how i feel about that no but anyway her and ex machina both highly recommended and for that matter black mirror the whole multiple seasons of black mirror also highly recommended for me yeah they're all there's some good stuff in there yeah all right, should we move on to our favourite segment, Frank, which is <laughs> what you up to? Do you want to start? Yeah, all right. Um, the most time-consuming but awesome part of the last few weeks has been getting a couple of new developers on board with the Radiopedia team, AJ and Ed, who have joined us, and it's great. They're already pumping out new features, so that's awesome. And our first ever copy editor is starting on the team. Oh, this is exciting. This is. So uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with how the Radiopedia process works, every single edit, no matter how little or large, gets reviewed by one of our volunteer editors who are mostly radiologists or radiology trainees or radiographers. And there's always been more and more and more work, more and more new cases And a lot of the edits that we are having to do aren't to do with radiology. They're to do with spelling or grammar or how closely the content aligns to our style guide. And it's important that we do it, but it's not a lot of fun to do it and it takes quite a lot of time. And so we've employed Arlene, who's going to be our first professional full-time copy editor, and hopefully we'll take care of a lot of that work for us and allowing our editors to focus really on the radiology side of things. Awesome. I think all of the editorial team are really looking forward to 
Arlene. Come on, Arlene. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I was just leading myself into my own little my own little joke there. Um, What what have I been doing? Yes, is that what you're going to (laughs) ask? Well, wife of the podcast this morning was just picking up a Tesla, so we've got a Tesla now. So that's Mm -hmm. exciting. Completely unrelated to radiology on the podcast, Um, but in terms of working on the conference this morning, this will sound weird, but the thing I was doing this morning is in some of the graphic designs, we've got a lot of, we've kind of got like a surf theme and we've been using a lot of surf kind of images, surfers on waves. And I wanted to use not just male surfers, so far they're mainly male. And I was like, I wanted to use some female ones, but I kind of wanted to make sure that they're appropriate, right? I didn't want to have like, you know, bikini female surfers or any, you know, little butt cheek shots, those kind of things. So you were doing this while the wife of the podcast was out (laughs) getting the new car, right? (laughs) That's all right. She doesn't listen to the podcast anymore. So we're free. We're free to go. But it was actually disturbingly tricky to find stock photos, you know, on Pixabay and Mm. Unsplash and Pexel, those kind of places to actually find one's that that weren't kind of sexualized in any way. They weren't, yeah. I mean, not not hypersexualized, but they're just, you know, I just want a woman looking totally badass in a wetsuit on a wave, right? And it's yeah. actually quite tricky to find. I found some, so we're going to use those. But that's what I was doing this morning, which sounds really weird thing to be doing. But it sounds more fun than than what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we probably should wrap up this hostful episode, gay lads. So how can people get in contact with us? Well, we're at Radiopedia on Twitter and Instagram, as well as at Frank Gaylard and at Dr. Andrew Dixon. And you can email us at podcasts at radiopedia.org with any ideas and feedback. If you've got any good pictures of yourself surfing, that would be great. Send them to me. (laughs) Always looking for those. And if you want to help support Radiopedia, then you can become a paid supporter via the website or purchase an all-access pass to our online courses and our conference. So this is a great time to do it because the conference is very, very soon. Very soon. Yeah, surf's up, man. 24 to 28 July. It's a virtual conference, so you won't actually have to surf. But if you wanted, you could very much go away on holidays, do some surfing, and then follow along on your iPad or your laptop uh, whilst you're on your holiday. So that would be the perfect way to enjoy Radiopedia 2023. Yeah. And don't forget that if you do register for the conference or buy an all-access pass, not only are you getting access, but you also allow us to make it free to everyone in low- and middle-income countries, and that's 125 countries at the moment. And and what else can people do, Frank, and to help us out? of course, you can help us out by leaving a five-star review in the podcast app of your choosing. Awesome. That is the hostful done and dusted. We've learnt that we probably should do more prep for the journal article segment. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not talk about things that we don't know. Eh, Well, uh, I doubt that's going to stop us in the future. (laughs) Uh, Next week, I have a readful episode for us, Frank, with an interventional radiologist. So look forward to that one. Uh, I'll read the outro here. So we'll catch you all again sometime soon in the reading room. Stay right, everyone. Stay right. Hang 10, hang 10, dude. Gnarly. (laughs) Bye, Frank. See ya.